Zika drives one to deep right field, back toward the wall, and it's out of here. Patrick Mazika's first big league hit is a home run. The legend of Patrick Mazika continues to grow. What's up, guys? Welcome back to our Uncle Stevie's Nephews podcast edition. Today is May 16th. The Mets are coming off uh, another tough loss of the Rays, 7-1. to one. Um, I guess we'll go right into that. Well, first off, I just – we got to talk about the Knicks a little bit. The Knicks are the fourth seed in the playoffs. I mean, amazing stuff. I wish this podcast right now could just be about Knicks. But let's get into the Mets. So, they lost today 7-1. to one. As I said, this whole series has been really terrible on all sides of the ball. David Peterson had – the best start out of everyone it was a very good start very impressive especially coming off that last start that he had where he couldn't get out of the second inning you saw it creep up on him in the second inning again but he pushed through it um he was able to uh, have better accuracy with his fastball for sure and he got all the way to the eighth inning gave up two runs in the eighth inning which really did not help the Mets hopes of getting eight straight wins because obviously they lost um and the Rays just did their Lad did the 2020 raise form again, just getting random hits here and there, getting the ball, getting contact, something that they, they haven't been able to do this whole season, except, of course, against the Mets. Also, their last game against the Yankees, they started to show some life. But this whole series, obviously, they get swept. Bullpen yesterday was pretty much atrocious. Nothing really good came out of that. Tommy Hunter pitched OK. He got himself into trouble a few times. Then today, Marcus Stroman gave up. Is it two two run home runs? Yeah, you gave them three home runs total. Yeah, two two home runs, two two run home runs, and then another home run um, on the offense for the Mets. I mean, we really nothing. One home run um, by how do you? Why am I forgetting his name? Patrick Mazika. Yeah, there we go. Patrick Mazika. It was just like totally. I mean, Patrick Mazika is just going to be like the next Jeff McNeil in my eyes. I mean, coming out of nowhere, just doing these crazy things. I mean, his first, obviously we know the story with the bases loaded, all those uh, walk-off RBIs. And then his first hit is a home run. Really good to see. I don't, I mean, he'd probably have a bigger role now with the injury bug going around, which we'll talk about. Um, and besides that, nothing really on the offense. What do you guys think about this past weekend? Uh, I think it's unfortunate that, you know, during the seven-game win streak, everyone was saying, oh, the bullpen, the bullpen has looked great, one of the better bullpens in baseball. And then, you know, the reason, one of the main reasons why they struggled so much this weekend was the bullpen. And I think the game with David Pierce in particular, he had three separate guys blowing, you know, because David Pierce is a two-to-one ball game, runner at second. They go to Trevor May, who had been lights out recently. You know, he has that run come around to score. Then Miguel Castro, very next inning, he loads up the bases. Aaron Loop tries to bail him out. He couldn't do that either. So you had three different relievers. All guys have been very effective recently, struggling the last two minutes to be unable to put that game away. And then the very following day, after Drew Smith gives you a good open, uh, Lucchese, not so much. And then we, we saw Jacob Barnes and we saw Familia, you know, another guy who had an ERA in the zeros, you know, coming into this series. So you see Familia's ERA blow up. Then even in this last game, you know, the Mets got no offense. Diaz gives up a few runs. Now his ERA is over four. So all these guys had these really impressive ERAs going into the series. The main reason why they got this win streak 
all of a sudden it really faltered and it was nowhere close to what the Tampa Bay bullpen was doing. So I think it was, a, you know what, you were fortunate to play the Orioles and the Diamondbacks maybe, and this is more of like a true test of where this bullpen actually is right now. That Jerry Smith is not going to have an ERA in the zeros or the ones, you know, things like that. So it was a little bit of a wake-up call, I think, for the Mets. I think it's just rough in general because when a part of your team like the bullpen is the only, I guess, part besides half of our pitching staff or starters have been doing really, really well the past couple of weeks. The one time they do have their little slump, it's unfortunate because no one else comes to pick them up. We don't have an offense. We don't have a, the pitching staff to back them up. So we look a lot worse than we normally would have just because one part of the team isn't doing well. Yeah, when you're on a winning streak, I mean, everything else – Every you can ignore everything else that's going on and just focus on the winning and everything seems really good. And then you start losing a few and then all these things start happening. You realize that the bullpen's not as good as they have been. And I, I I'm not uh, too concerned about the bullpen. They're going to have times where they're not good. I mean, it was just like Frank said, a wake up call. They're not as good as they have been. And I mean, the thing with Luis Rojas that I'm noticing and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but he calls on these bullpen guys and sometimes they're do really good. And sometimes they start to falter. And a big problem that I've been noticing is that they, he doesn't really have like a backup plan for them. So like when Miguel Castro was in, it's happened a few times, but Miguel Castro is the most recent. Um, he gets a few runners on and in a lot of other cases, I know there's the whole three, uh, three batter rule, but in a lot of cases you'd have like a backup person to go to when things aren't going well and then you have to what's been happening recently is Luis Rojas has to call on someone to get ready as quickly as possible. And then the previous bullpen arm that's not doing well has to face another batter. And that causes a whole nother things, things of issues. I forgot there was another even uh, more. I, don't I think maybe the DeGrom injury where Casher had to like rush in. I mean, that was a little different because of the injury. So no one was really warming up at the time. There was one that was like, I remember specifically where you should have had someone warming up. If... I think the other thing with Peterson, like Trevor May, you probably could have gone to him right after mm-hmm. the double, you know, maybe right after yeah. the home, you could have just gone to Trevor May right there. You right. know, then he had the double happen and then he goes to Trevor May. So if you gave Trevor May maybe empty bases, he probably could have got out of that. Yeah. I think it could be also him just trusting that his guys can get through it and maybe giving them too much trust. I mean, we had it in the beginning of the season with Jacob Barnes where he should have been taken out and then he gave up. I think it was against the Cubs, maybe, um, where he continued to give up runs and took the Mets totally out of that game. Um, but it's I've noticed it recently. I wish I could remember the example that I'm thinking of. Um, but, yeah, let's continue on. Another big thing from this weekend is that the injuries are really starting to pile up for the Mets. I mean, in the rest of the NL East, the injuries are pretty bad across all baseball, really, and that could be because of how short last season was and how we're – playing earlier than we did last season and all these different things. And for the Mets, specifically, they're playing in Ray Stadium, which is just a terrible stadium. But let's just go through all the people that are injured right now. We have J.D. Davis. We have Brandon Nimmo. We have Noah Syndergaard, which we obviously knew about. Carlos Carrasco, we knew about. Seth Lugo, same thing. Now we have Jeff McNeil, Conforto, and DeGrom as well. But the thing with – there's two things with these injuries, obviously terrible because the Mets need these players on the field and all these people that are injured are key parts of the Mets. Um, first off lineup and, and rotation, but also on the other hand, I mean, 
it's crazy how many injuries across baseball are happening. And um, specifically the NL East, the Braves have been without Ronald Acuna. Um, there was that, what's the pitcher that got injured? Do you guys remember? For which For team? the Braves. Soroka? Yeah, Soroka. Yeah, he, Soroka. he stays out. He, he tries to come back and he keeps getting pushed yeah. back even more. And then um, the Phillies today without uh, – Out with Rimuto and Harper, both yeah. And um, uh, there was another one on the Phillies. But, I mean, you look at this whole NL East, everyone's injured, and the Mets had not really faltered to it. And then with Jacob deGrom, it just started to go downhill. It really happened when Carlos Carrasco had that setback, and then it just seemed that things started to really turn. And so now we have these replaced Mets playing. We have the – um, the Elars, the Pilars, the Bilars, however you say their last name. Um, Peraza has been nice. And then we have some new players. Jake Hager um, has gotten some action yesterday. He came in and then today he came in um, after all the injuries happened, specifically Michael Conforto. Isn't Hager an infielder? Did he just have to play the outfield? He's utility. He could do infield and outfield. Yeah. And then we have um, – Janeshwi Vargas. Janeshwi. Janeshwi yeah. Vargas. Let's just call him Vargas. Um, it's Vargas, isn't it? Or is it just Vargas? Vargas. I, I don't know. Um, Vargas. I don't know. <laughs> if we want to – he's actually pretty impressive and someone that I'll be interested to see. He's really fast. Um, already has eight stolen bases this season and 33 at-bats, one home run, 242 batting average. If we go back to 2019, which was the last time that he's actually played in the minors – and uh, he had 249 batting average, five home runs, 33 RBIs, where the stolen bases, 50 stolen bases in 127 games. So he's a fast one. He's an outfielder, center fielder, and specifically. And where did my list go? Then we have um, Khalil Lieb getting called back up again. I'll be interested to see what he does. Um, haven't really paid attention to him. I mean, I also haven't had a lot of time to pay attention to him because he was, just got traded to the Mets. Obviously, Trevin Hill, Trevor Hildenberger was DFA'd. Probably Stephen Tarpley is going to be DFA'd to make room for these players and just everything that's going on with the Mets right now. Um, and, yeah, so the replacements so far with Pilar, Vilar, uh, Peraza, all those players have been very impressive and been was a key part to their seven-game winning streak. But I don't know how long a uh, lineup that – is without McNeil, Conforto, J.D. Davis, Brandon Nimmo can really last. Um, I There haven't been a lot of updates on McNeil, Conforto so far. I know they're both going for MRIs. McNeil, I think, said that he might not have to go to the IL. With a hamstring like Conforto, I would imagine he has to go to the IL, um, which is disappointing. Um, I'm not so sure about Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil is a confusing one because there's every year it seems like he has an injury and the Mets continue to like try and push him, and then it just gets worse and worse. And with Jeff McNeil, it seems it seemed like he was good to go. Then he was put in the DH role, and that caused a bit of concern. And then he didn't play the next game, and then he was put back in the DH role, even though they were saying he probably could have he probably could play tomorrow in the lineup. Obviously, before what happened today, and then it just it's so confusing this injury situation with the Mets. It seems like I don't know if it's Luis Rojas or just how baseball is in general. They're not being very clear with anything. They're trying to keep everything similar to what happens in hockey, where they don't want to say like what these injuries really are. And it's just, it's very strange how these things are happening. And I mean, 
hamstrings just suck. I mean, it seems like the Mets year in, year out. It's really every team, really. But for the Mets, it happens all the time. Key players get taken out for a good amount of time. And I really hope Michael Conforto isn't out for too long because he's obviously a crit- critical part. He hasn't had that great start to the season. But, I mean, he's our three, really, realistically, our three-hole hitter. So these injuries are not good. What do you guys think? I think one of the real unfortunate things is that Nimmo and JD were supposed to be back or really close to back during this Tampa Bay series. And then Nimmo, he had a setback in his, you know, rehab as well. Cause he looked, he was rehabbing a little bit minor league game. Boom. The fingers bothering him again. We haven't really got much of an update on JD Davis. Luis Guillaume is also out. Albert Almora is out after he had that collision in the outfield against Baltimore. So you're having injury after injury. And then this first inning, McNeil and Conforto, both with hamstring tightness just for hustling. You know, I mean, McNeil, he gets an infield single. Conforto trying to beat out a double play. So these guys are trying to do the right thing. They're trying to hustle, and you wind up getting hurt. And I think that, you know, the one time that you sprint all out, you're automatically pulling hamstrings, that kind of tells me that maybe your stretching is not exactly as good as it should be. Because if the first time you have to go, full, you know, full all out, you're pulling a hamstring, that's just not a good sign. And I think with McNeil, what I noticed was that once he came back from the cramps he had against Baltimore, where he kind of just like stopped in between first and second, that was where the injury really first happened. This whole weekend, he usually is very squatted in his stance. He's been standing straight up. So I don't know if maybe that's something to do with the leg back area. And then he didn't really run the first game he played on Friday. And then today he tries to run again. Boom, his, his you know, his leg bothers him. So uh, you're, you're right. It's lingering. Kind of like with DeGrom where, you know, you thought the injury kind of went away, but it's still lingering. Carrasco, a setback. Like whatever injuries these guys have, they're just not fully healing. They, they try to come back and then they have another setback. So th- there's got to be a way where like you really could get them fully healed and, and just get rid of the injury altogether. Not play a game, don't play a game and, and see if it gets better. Then it gets worse. I just think like you said the whole the way they've been managing it has just not been the, the smartest route i actually have a few updates i just looked it up on all the players so these this is from today luis rojas has said all these things so noah Syndergaard, rojas said he's in the five inning range i'm just going to read directly from this yahoo sports article the mets want noah Syndergaard to throw five innings on two occasions before shipping him to a rehab assignment potentially in syracuse uh, J.D. Davis could begin a rehab assignment on Tuesday. Brandon Nimmo, Frank kind of went over it, but Rojas said Nimmo will be rejoining the Mets in Atlanta, but not to play. Just keep, and this is in quotes, just keep doing some further treatment until he's 100% pain-free, and then I'll go back on re- on a rehab assignment. Um, there's no timetable for that, which is very disappointing. And, I mean, it's so frustrating when there's like these setbacks because you're so ready for them to come back. And then, Oh, there's a setback. And now he's going to be out for like two more weeks, which is so annoying. Carlos Carrasco um, went through some workouts to test his hamstrings. So he can, this is in quotes. So he can do things the way we want him to, to do them when he rejoins the team. Carrasco is still on a week by week basis, which is also frustrating. Um, Seth Lugo, he's facing batters. He's almost at the point where he's going to have a rehab assignment and have a few addings there before he joins the team. Uh, and Luis Guillorme is not swinging a bat after injuring his oblique. So he's the farthest away for sure, it seems like. Seth Lugo, which I'd say J.D. Davis, it's either between J.D. Davis and Seth Lugo who comes back quicker. But, I mean, and then you just add Conforto and um, McNeil to that list. And, I mean, these are just key essential players to the Mets. And what is very good is the Mets did a good job of getting these viable uh, backups, but I don't think anyone wanted nor expected 
the Mets to be in a position where they have to call up a bunch of these players to make up their bench because all these replacements had to come in this early into the season for key players. And now I'm just like, I watch these players run down the line. It's similar to like when Yoan Cespedes kept on getting injured because he would, because he would try and run hard. I'm watching every single Mets player come up, run hard to first base and waiting to see a wince in them. And it's one of the more frustrating things. Like you have to think that what they're doing in the gym might not be the best idea if they want to hustle one time and then they pull something like they have to, there has to be a way to do that because I mean, anyone can run hard and not pull a hamstring. So it's obviously something they're doing in the gym or not stretching enough, but either way, very frustrating. So let's move on. We talked about the bench mob, which has been nice. Now let's move into some of the more frustrating things. James McCann still looks terrible besides what he can do behind the plate defensively and get the starters through a game, be aggressive and all that stuff, which is obviously good. And we've seen him throw out players at second base, which is a thing the Mets have been lacking. But another reason we got James McCann to replace Wilson Ramos is to have some offense as well as his defense and his offense has just been terrible. I mean, it seems like he can't get any lift to his balls. It's always on the ground or a line drive. And I thought I started to see a little glimpse of that. I don't know, maybe last week he had a game where he kept on getting the balls in the air and maybe there was going to be turnaround and that didn't happen. He continues to strike out in key moments, get into double plays in key moments. It's been very disappointing. Um, I was really looking forward to watching James McKenna. I really hope he does turn around, but he's, after this week with Dom Smith play, playing well, which we could have talked about, but we, we aren't, um, James McCann is the one that I'm the most concerned about at this point, as last week we talked about who we're most concerned about. What do you guys think about James McCann? Do you think he can turn it around at some point? I think he's going to have a chance to prove himself, whether it's next week or maybe hopefully not. We don't have to wait until next month to find out, but I think there's going to be a time where he's going to change the tides and he's going to show that He's not only one of the best offensive catchers in the game right now, but he's going to improve on his offensive needs. Because I know you said he's obviously lacking on the hitting side of the ball. Um, he's not doing that well, but I think he's going to be able to change it. Like I'm worried a little bit, but I like how optimistic he's been throughout the whole process, and I think he's going to be able to change it. Because I mean, if not, it's kind of the same situation we've talked about. Not going back to the injuries, but we've talked about like how we don't have, we never had all these backups and all the people that can step in for people who aren't performing like James McCann. And although he's doing well defensively, you want to keep him in the lineup. There's other players that will be able to take other slots. So I'm not as worried about his offense as it would be as someone else who's coming in to replace another injured player. Yeah. Just going off of that. I mean, the one thing is like Tomas, like Tomas Nito has played well and we see that James McCann is struggling, so I don't understand Luis Rojas not putting Tomas Nito in more. We know James McCann was a backup and has doesn't have that many games in a regular season on his legs, and maybe he's starting to get tired because he's never been a number one option. So I would like to see Tomas Nito in a few times to try and maybe help James McCann get through this and turn into an everyday catcher that we signed him for. Um, and I think that could help, but hopefully. All right, Frank, any comments here? No, I mean, it's what you said, a lot of strikeouts, a lot of ground outs. I mean, those are the two things you can't do. And the other problem is, like, he isn't just striking out, but he's also he's chasing bad. You yeah. know, like, pitches in the dirt he's swinging at. Uh, you know, there was that bad, I think it was yesterday, first pitch, pitch on the outside corner, you know, just going after it. All it right. Yeah. On. 
you know, there's just like any, I don't, it's just not, it's really hard to point to words. Like he's just not having productive at bats. You know, he's not drawing walks, not really working the count and things like that. You know, defense has been okay. Uh, he's, he saved the good amount of balls. He's blocked a good amount. Obviously had that one bad player show me, he's thrown out a couple of runners, but you know, Tomas Nito, he gives you good framing, but like uh, his, his bat isn't better than Jason McCann, you know, like his average is under 200 now because he started what, the Wednesday game. He started a couple days ago with McCann DHing, and Tomas Nito didn't get hit any hits either. So like, even if you put Nito out there, you're still not going to get that offense from that position. And you're going to need, you know, some more offense somewhere. If Conforto is indeed out and McNeil's out, you're right down. Like we said, JD and Nimmo, Yorme, uh, somebody's got to really pick up the slack. And it doesn't look like it's going to be from the catcher position. Speaking of that, I, I really wish they didn't, put McCann in the DH role that game. I know they were like looking at things and thought that maybe this could help him break out. But I, I mean, I really was hoping that they could use the DH better than they had this whole series. And that's probably because of the injuries that they're having. Um, but I was going to say with James McCann, it kind of takes me into the next player that I want to talk about, which is Francisco Lindor is that both of these players had really good springs and you saw that they, they have the talent and you can't put it all that they weren't playing against like major league talent all the time. They obviously can hit the ball and you're just waiting for both of these players to truly break out and going into Francisco Lindor. We thought um, last week when he started to do some really good things, he got off after that home run with the whole Jeff McNeil situation. You thought, all right, this is the time he's turning it around and Keith Hernandez, Gary Cohen, Ron Donnell were all saying, it seems like things have started to switch gears with him. And then he goes into this race series and, I mean, I know he had that one home run, but besides that, that was his only thing that he did this whole um, race series. He had – did he strike out today? I don't think so, right? He struck out a million times in the other two games. Right, so. yeah. So I mean, he struck out, I think, either six or seven times, two games, three strikeouts consecutively, which never happened in his career before. And, of course, it happened with the Mets, which just – and then he had that – it wasn't an error, but the double in the – what was it, the eighth Yesterday. Inning? Was it eighth inning? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wasn't watching that live, so I was, I'm was i not exactly sure what happened, but I was listening to it, and I, I know that he probably could have made a better play on it, and it, I think it was like he didn't jump or something. Is that – I mean, it, it was a jump, but it didn't look like it was like a, a big-time jump. I right, mean, he wasn't yeah. going to touch the rim, so to speak, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? But uh, it was just a, a really bad series for him and was really disappointed the strikeouts, you know, mm-hmm. because even throughout his whole season, it's been a struggle. He hadn't been striking out too much, but when you saw that, you know, those multiple strikeouts and back-to-back games, uh, something that he obviously has never done in his career before. It's like, you know, what's going on here? He changed the hair color, uh, didn't really change. The I don't like the change in hair. You know what I mean? So uh, that really has not worked out. And it's really disappointing because, like you said, you know the town is there. And you would say, you know, oh, maybe it's the New York pressure. But this time you were in Tampa. Right. You know, And like we said, this probably is a tough field. It probably has something to do with the way the ball bounced, probably something to do with the injuries. You know, a lot of the hits that the Rays got late the other game, really low uh, hit probability. You know, they're in the single digits. You know, and it was just – it's a very tough place to play. And I, I bet the Mets are really happy that they're out of there and they're not coming back anytime soon. Yeah, the thing with Francisco Lindor is like he was he was playing really well for I'd probably say a week span, but the, like I was watching and he was getting like some extra base hits here and there, which is something that he wasn't doing. But it didn't it still didn't seem like he like broke into that Francisco Lindor that we've come to know when he was on the Indians. And 
I was like waiting for it to continue. And then I was just wait also waiting for the, for him to go back to what he was in the beginning of the season, which it's still the beginning of the season, obviously, but I mean, and he reverted back to it, which is scary because I wanted a, a trending upwards, not a trend downward, upward, then downward again, even worse. And I think Tyler Glasnow really got to him because you were his at bats. Like there was one time where he smiled after he struck out, which I, he was just so off of that. I don't know what the pitch was, but it was obvious that he wasn't on. Tyler Glasnow was pitching really well for a good portion of that game. And it looks like it really got to Francisco Lindor, also P. Alonso, but P. Alonso obviously has hit better now. Um, all right. So. We got the two the two newbies with James McCann, Francisco Lindor struggling, which is upsetting. Um, obviously, actually, we already talked about this. They won seven in a row, lost three, but they're still in first place because everyone else in the division either has injuries or the Marlins and the Nationals are just not playing that well. And, I mean, somehow we're still in first place. That seven-game winning streak obviously really helped us. We're two games over 500. And at this point, I mean – you just got to hope that the Mets can somewhat sustain like a 500 record with all these injuries and just wait for everyone to come back and be full health again. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where these lineups take us and might take us back to like 2015 days with the John Mayberry, Eric Campbell situation, who Eric Campbell has a new job with the Mariners who are just picking up every Mets old Mets player. We can also talk about Jared Kelenic a little bit. I mean, we got the first glance at, this player we gave up for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano and it really sucks. And I wish I wasn't doing this is like, I'm rooting for him to be bad. And I know as like a baseball fan, I shouldn't really be doing that. But as a Mets fan, I feel like I have to, because I can't, after he had his home run and two doubles, I, I woke up and I was like, I really don't want to deal with this for the next 10 years where Jared Kalanick is just playing out of his mind, lives up to all the expectations that he's another Mike Trout. While we have Edwin Diaz who, pitch is good sometimes and we have Robinson Cano who's going to be a problem for next season with the payroll it's so frustrating and I, I I haven't really experienced where the Mets had to like obviously the Mets have lost players that are good but nothing to the level of Jared Kalanick and I had to ask my dad like has this happened before just to make me feel better and you give examples like Scott Casimir things like that these players the Mets had to give up that turned into really good players and I I wish I didn't root no, for Jared no. Uh, well, yeah, he's. I did bring up Michael Nolan Fulmer. Ryan. Yeah, Michael Fulmer. Yeah, but he was a one-year wonder, though. That all of a sudden he. Yeah, Michael Fulmer hasn't been good, that bit. great. But Nolan Ryan had brought up, but he was saying that he did pitch some good, good games for the Mets, obviously. But uh, it's so frustrating. I, I wish I didn't root for him to be bad, but he did. I know his stats. He went over five yesterday, over four today. So we're we're on a good trend if you're rooting against Jared Kelnick. But he seems like such a nice guy, which I wish I didn't have that way of thinking about it, but I do. Um, do you guys have any comments on Kalanick or anything? Just pain. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just pain. Like you just see it like do I just like pain. <laughs> That's it. Like you know, we, we talk so much about like when you're a true center fielder, center field of the future. No. Is it George Springer? Is it Jack Brad? Blah, 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 blah. It's like we had the guy all along and we gave him away. Freaking Brody. You know what I mean? Like if only Cohen could have been here earlier with Sandy, like because you, you know Sandy was never ever ever doing that trade. Right, I know. It's just it's just against everything Sandy does. Like I'm so surprised he traded away Jimenez 
for Lindor, you know, like even stuff. Like that. But the good side is that these Miley guys, I know this wasn't on the docket, but you know, these Miley guys, Mauricio, Abadi, Vientos, Alvarez, yeah. Armstrong, they've been doing well in their spring training games. Yeah, so, definitely. you know, they're on a good trend. And I'm really excited for, you know, whenever they do show up. And they also talked about uh, Thomas Zapuki, maybe is going to be in the rotation at some point soon because uh, I don't know what the heck they're doing Yamamoto, but you should, if you knew you're going to need guys to fill in for DeGrom, you don't have much confidence in Lucchese. It's like sometimes he's going to pitch, sometimes he isn't. You really should have had Yamamoto lined up for one of these games. And if you were to pitch him Tuesday, they said it'd be like three days rest or something like that. So uh, the way they've managed that has not been the best either. Let's actually talk about Lucchese quickly. Um, I think I, I think that experiment's over. I, I, I'm done with watching him pitch. I, I mean, he can pitch a one, one inning here and there. Like, he can be a bullpen arm, but I don't think he can last more than one inning. We've, we see it over and over again. Lu, Luis Rojas even said he's going to get another chance, which that, that bothers me. I mean, we have a Jordan Yamamoto who's pitched pretty well, I mean, especially in the minors, and we have – is it Zapuki? I didn't even know that's how you say it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, we have him. We have other players like Gaselman. I, mean, I would give. Foley came in that game. He gave you what you know, scoreless. In yeah, the third. Oh, no, not scoreless. We gave him one run in a third. Like he could give you a, a good. Like if you have Drew Smith open, or you have uh, um, was it Tommy Hunter open again? Two innings, three innings. You have Shorty Foley give you another three innings. Maybe you could patch something together, you know. But if you're like you said, if you see that Lucchese is struggling every single time, and you have some other options, why would you keep going to the guy that is struggling? Right. Like yeah. you said, it, it doesn't make sense. Like you should have balanced Yamamoto much better than that because, like, he gave you a good start against the Cardinals, and you just sent him down right away. You know, it was like, what was the point of that? Right, and I mean that it's like another. It, it kind of goes with the trend of Luis Rojas. That I mean, I don't know if I can blame it totally on Luis Rojas, but. You have to have other options. You can't just keep on going to the guy that's not doing well. And I mean, it's not like it's been two starts with Joey Lucchese or two bullpen games with Joey Lucchese that hasn't gone well. It's it's literally been almost every time that he's gone out there. And if you have a guy that you're expecting to be like a long man, I really am not confident that you have to go to someone in the first inning to get through the first three batters and then go to him because you don't trust his talent enough for that. And I can't wait till these bullpen games are done. I, I mean, the bullpen games, like, it's a progressive thing, which is, like, kind of nice. But for the Mets, I mean, if you're going to keep going to Lucchese, it just doesn't work out. Um, so, but, again, we see how uh, quickly you can start getting injuries. And even when Carrasco and Syndergaard comes back, hopefully it doesn't happen, but we could be right back in another situation where someone else is injured. Um, I guess we can go into predictions for next week. And then we'll end it there. They play the Braves and the Marlins. They have an off day at some point, right? Is it Wednesday? I don't know the exact day, but I know they have six games. They have one off day. Okay, let me just pull up the schedule. So they play the... Why is... Oh, they... why is that? That's so annoying. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, see, all right, this is a, this is a quick gripe with scheduling. I mean, explain this one to me. You give them the off day Thursday when they're traveling from Atlanta to Miami, one state away, but then Sunday to Monday from Miami to New York, no off day. Why? You know, like the place that's one state away, give them off day, but the one that's, you know, other side of the coast, no. Right, that, that's, that's very day. true. It's uh... I really think they put like a random generator and they're like, we don't care what happens. <laughs> because... Like, if you have 162 games, you got to look at them and be like, hey, do they actually make sense? Like, come on, somebody's got to mess up every once in a while. Well, for the Mets case, every other week. 
they, I mean, they've had on. two weeks where they had two off days. You did play, you know, they had the off day, play two games off day. They had twice already this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, like off days should be valuable. They should be used in very certain spots. Yep. It, it, like you said, Spencer, it seems so random. Yeah, that's true. No point, no reasoning. But they play three against Atlanta and three against Miami. I didn't write down what our predictions were for last week. Sorry I about think that. We're all wrong. <laughs> yeah, they were sure all wrong. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think no, none of us said they're getting swept in Tampa Bay, so we were probably yeah. wrong. I think I don't remember what I said. I think I don't know. If I went, if I went two and three, I, I think I might have been no. I, I might, I might say two and three. Yeah, you might. I have. thought they're going to lose one of the Oreo games, but they won both the Oreo ones. Yeah. I don't think they were going to beat John Means, but they did. So Yeah, and, and it wasn't even John Means. Most likely they beat the bullpen. Kind of well, yeah. Gallon where Patrick Mazaika, he just randomly plays mm-hmm. hero, just putting the ball in play. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, that Matt Harvey game was really interesting, though. He makes the return, and he was he was looking really good at first. Then that third time through, the Mets got to him, and, you know, the post-game comments. It was – that was a really interesting day for sure. Yeah, we, should, we could have talked about that. But, yeah, it was it was nice seeing Matt Harvey back. I like I had like this dual situation going on. Like I wanted to pitch well for like two reasons. First off, I want to see him pitch well in general, but also because he could be an interesting guy for the Mets to go after if they need another pitcher, but he didn't pitch well. And it's, I don't think he's, I mean, his last two stars before the Mets was good, but I I don't think he's a good pitcher anymore, which is kind of sad. But so my prediction for this week, uh, um, I'm not in a good state with my Mets fandom right now, so it's probably going to relate to how I consider this week going. I'm going to say, see, the problem is they never play good against the Marlins, and the Braves are probably going to play good against them too. I'm going to say like two and four. I mean, I, I would I would say two and four. Also, going to Atlanta is not fun. Going to Miami, we don't need one. Those are good predicaments for the Mets. Uh, I, I want to go two and four, but I think with all these lineup injuries, I, I just don't really see how they could piece together the offense because like we said, you have Lindor struggling, you have McCann struggling. You're really looking at Alonzo and Dom giving you a majority of the production. Cause other than that, you're looking at, you know, could, how much could Pilar and VR really do? You know, they've given you good moments, but on a day to day base, how much could the bench mob consistently do? So I'll say two and four, just as out of hope, but it really feels more like one and five. I just, I don't feel good. I'm going to go three and three, 500. Um, I don't think we're going to get two of those wins or even three of those wins against the Braves because they were coming off a hot streak against the Brewers, which is obviously a more competitive team than both of them combined right now because NLE sucks. It's become the <laughs> NFC East of football. I'm like, another another team i got to worry about that has a terrible division. They'll be like, oh, it doesn't, you're not real division champions. Another one. But anyway, I think we take one win against the Braves. Hopefully it's the last game. So it jumpstarts a two-win streak against the Marlins, and I'm okay with losing the last game before we get to next week. Yeah. Actually, I should bring up. So the plan with Jacob DeGrom is that he might be able to start. Is that the Friday game against the Marlins? Yeah, there's one of the Marlins games they yeah. said. So it's either that he's going to start that or push him for the other time. Yeah. I can't – I like, honestly can't trust Luis Rojas as about these players anymore. Um, but I guess that wraps up this week's podcast. So just going over predictions – I'm two and four. Frank's two and four. Spencer's three and three. They'll probably end up going like six and oh, just to because we can never be right with the predictions. But um, yeah, so that wraps up this week's podcast. Not a good week in Mets baseball.
shows how quickly times can change after we were going off such a high with seven games in a row. Um, but that's what happens when you play the Rays. But thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. And let's go Mets.